Welcome to VUVU, the world's soccer show. Eric Nash here, my co-pilot, Bob Long, in his William & Mary sweatshirt. How are very you today, nice. Eric? Very, probably very topical, too, given that Thanksgiving is on Thursday. William & Mary, I don't know. It's about as, it's about as old as Thanksgiving. William That's about right. Look it up. Yeah, Absolutely, right, yeah. sure. Some yeah. of the early settlers or something like that. Yes, William and Mr. William and Mary, a husband and wife. Good right? people. Wanted to make a quick, really good wanted people. Wanted to make a quick buck or two, right? So they started a college. Anyway, welcome to the Vuvu Show again. Uh, Thorne will be be calling in eventually, um, so uh, we'll hope to hear from him. Uh, you know, we're gonna play it a little bit by ear today, Bob. So how was your week, my man? It's great, very yeah. good. You know, keeping yeah. busy. But I was actually just downtown today. Since we're right here in the city of brotherly love, as we so eloquently heard right before coming on the air. And sisterly affection. That's exactly right. It's a big day for the city of Philadelphia. And we'll get to soccer in just a minute, but the Philadelphia Marathon was today. And, uh, you know, I, I want to say, what, 30-some thousand entrants this year? A great day for the city, both economically, from a visibility standpoint, to get people out there bettering themselves, racing 13.1 or 26.2 miles. Great day for the city. It was nice to be down there and be a part of it. You always are, man. Have event. Bob Long will travel. That's just the way it is, man. That's about right. It's good stuff, man. And but still anyway. get to the studio in time. And, and you did. You, you really did. See, so it can be done. Okay? It just shows you. But the thing about uh, the thing about uh, this week, you know, I always, I always hate – the International Week, and uh, Coach K always gives me hell about that, <laughs> you know, because, you know, it's the greatest thing in the world. You know what? I think it may be the greatest thing in the world if, you're t if your country, Denmark, is playing Sweden in a winner-take-all series, okay, to make it into the Euros. I get that. But for us... What did we, the St. Vincent and Grenadines? Well, there was a, there was a really highlight, that was highlighted in my TV guide, first of all, okay? <laughs> well, U.S. fans did have something. They certainly had the, they didn't have a goal to show for it, but they had 90 minutes of a match against Trinidad and Tobago. Thorns, no, that's Thorne. We should have made some kind of gentleman's bet. Yes. Trinidad Tobago has always been kind of a, a thorn, no pun intended, in, in the U.S.'s uh, side, though. Sure. They've always been like a tough, tough team, especially at home. Yep. Oh, so, I mean, when you get when you get on the road at some of these places that you see in Concacaf, and Duras is one as well, Jamaica. You just don't know what it is that you're going to get uh, when it comes to you know a lot of different things, field conditions, referees, general atmosphere in general. In this game, I mean, the United States certainly had opportunities in the second half. After the first 45 minutes, you're watching and thinking, my goodness, I mean, is this team? going to have a chance, a realistic chance to qualify for the World Cup, not to take this game out of it because it does appear that they look very good to move on to Hex qualifying. But it was that second half where there were a few ringing shots off the bar and off the post, and uh, there was there were certainly opportunities. I think all in all we kind of would take the point, and maybe that was you know five, six hours after the match when you cooled down and thought, well, you know, it really wasn't as bad as it seems. To get a road point like that, they should be – in in no issue, uh, no problem with at least making it through and all the way to the hex. So that's that was sort of the highlight, at least for the United States fans and fans of the U.S. men's national team throughout this international break. And uh, certainly we're back to soccer today. Uh, some big matches in the EPL. There was El Clasico. And right now we'll bring on Anthony out of Virginia. And Anthony wants to talk about 
The Liverpool match, Jurgen Klopp and company really showing their mettle. How are well, you today, Anthony? Well, Anthony's licking his wounds, I'm guessing, right now. What, what's up, Oh, buddy? definitely. How's it going, guys? It's we're, going doing, great. we're doing good. So, listen, you know, we, you know, that game, well, that really kind of went against the grain. A lot of games this year in the Premier League are doing that. But that game, like, where did that come? The game was at the Ed Had, right? And what was the final? Was four one? Did I get that? Four one. Wow. I... Yeah. Well, I think. Yeah. Well, first I want to give credit to Liverpool. They played a fine game with that high pressing. But uh, I thought Pellegrini got the whole um, lineup selection wrong. I mean, Fernandino, he's been our best player all year, and he started on the bench. Ultimendi was our best center back available with company being hurt, and the back four. I mean, they just played horrific, and they couldn't handle high press. Uh, thought Yaya, he played uninspired football. And uh, I actually think he should probably be dropped for this Juventus game because the midfield combo with Delft, uh, Fernando, and Fernandino, they looked impressive, but by the time Delft and Fernandino got in the game at halftime, it was too little too late. So, again, I think this really goes back to um, Pellegrini's poor lineup selection. That was um, very disappointing. I mean, I think, I think uh, you would agree if you get a result like that at home, you know, against uh, you know, uh, you know that that's basically a big game for Manchester and and for and for and for Liverpool. But to lose a game like that, an uninspired, as you said, game at home, and you know they also, I believe, lost to West Ham at home, City, correct? And um, and and Tottenham. So I mean, this is you know this season starting. Is it unraveling? Because here was a chance for one City to really bury Liverpool in the standings. Okay, two to make up ground on Arsenal that lost. You know, so it was a really bad loss. Well, I think we're missing Silva at the moment. I mean, we played, I mean, Aguero, he just came back this week and we've been without Silva for a month. And I think he really is the key to, um, to our goal production because with his creativity, he really does a great job of beating Aguero and he opened things up for our wingers, Navas and Sterling. So I think we're really starting to feel the effects without him in their lineup now. And also with Nazri, who would fill in for Silva when he was out, he's out as well. So I think you know, I think things will um, solidify once we get him back into the lineup because I mean he is our great playmaker. So uh, it's a long season, and I think all teams goes through these ups and downs. But you know I think you know at this moment uh, you know it's a little bit down, but I think City is capable of them pulling off um, nine ten game winning streaks, which we do have the tendency to do once we hit these low points. Now Anthony, you talked about, and I think a lot of people across the soccer world have agreed with you in terms of the tactics that Pellegrini put into place. Certainly tough not to with a scoreline like that. After the match and in the uh, the hours following, Pellegrini stood behind his tactics, said that he still believes that he put the right team and, and the right strategy onto the field and that it just didn't work out. Now, what is your reaction to something like that, a stark difference between what general community soccer analysts, what they see, and then what the coach when he maintains his his hold of his uh, the way he went about things, what what's your reaction to something like that? Well, I think he's just being defiant because I mean you could just look at Yaya for the past two games, even the one um, previously against Aston Villa. He just has not looked well. Then and I think he his spot in the lineup as a um, automatic starter I think has to be in question at this point. I mean there's no way you cannot um, play Fernandino. He's been our best player all season, and for Pellegrini to say that he would go back to the same lineup, I think you know is is um, sort of bit of a bit of rubbish and. You know, it's just it was just really um, disappointed in that line of selection. But furthermore, I think Delft, 
I actually think he deserves a run of games because in the little um, chances we had to see him, he's actually looked pretty good. But to come on um, at that point when they were 3-1 down, I think it's a pretty tall order. So I think, again, Pellegrini is going to be under a lot of slack for the loss and two for the comments afterwards. But if we go into um, beat Juventus and win our um, group to- on Wednesday, then all will be forgiven for the so moment. What do, you, what, do you th- what do you think should be different there, Anthony? Well, you know. I would like to see us go with a three, uh, three-man center midfield with Fernando, Fernandino, and Delft. I think, uh, I think Yaya should be dropped. Uh, hopefully we'll get company at Ultimende back playing again in the central midfield. I think, um, company, um, just like Silva does on the offense side of the ball, I think, um, uh, company, he's our captain and he really settles that back four. So I think with those things in place, then I think uh, I think we could get a, uh, definitely a better result at, on um, Wednesday. And just after the sheer embarrassment of Saturday, these are professional footballers and they're going to want to bounce back and show that, hey, we are City, you know, we are, you know, we are highly paid professionals to do this and we got pride on the line that we need to take seriously. Who does, uh, who does City have next week? Uh, we have Juventus, and then following that, um, oh, goodness, we have Southampton. And I'm actually, um, after Thanksgiving, actually going to Manchester. I'm going to be That's checking nice. out the Champions League game versus um, Borussia Mönchengladbach, hey, and then I'll be going that? to their home match versus Swansea. So I'm actually going um, to you know, take, it, take it in and go over there for the first yes. time. Yes, Anthony, you'll have to come give us a report after you head over there. It's always great when we have some of our callers on this side of the pond Head over and uh, and it would be great to hear from you after that as well. What do you? Yeah, what, really, I'm looking sorry. forward to it. What do you think about um, Leicester City? Do you have any fear of them? Uh, you know, because I personally think they play have played. If you look at their their results, has played, played a very weak schedule. And I kind of hate throwing that out, but look who they beat. I mean, I just don't think. Like, I'm looking at Tottenham and saying, "Hey, you know, the announcers, the TV, they're getting me psyched, man. Like, Your team's looking good, man. You know, this is the this is a Champions League team, and there are this, good wins on their schedule. Yeah, yes. I mean, the, yeah, I mean. So, so I guess the point is, who do you who do you see uh, right now as as being the threat to to City to to win the uh, the league? In all honesty, I think um, City and Arsenal are the best two teams. I think uh, you have United out there. They're obviously playing excellent defense, uh, and but they're not um, doing much as far as creativity and scoring goals. And Tottenham, I think Tottenham is a team to watch out for. I think not only um, they'll make the Champions League this um, year, but I think going forward, I think um, Pochettino has um, really put a great program in place. And you know they got a lot of young players that are getting called up to the national team. So in the short term, Arsenal is the team. I think um, that we have to watch out for, but in the long term, I think Tottenham is really starting to build something over there, and that's something someone will keep an eye out for a um, few years down the line. It's, I mean, it's exciting that uh, you know they're such a young team, and you know I'm getting I haven't been this excited about a Spurs team obviously since the Bale and Modric sure. and uh, Vandervoort led Spurs from what five six years ago at this right. point now. Yeah, but, but then who knows is Real Madrid going to be knocking on the door to try yeah. to swoop up Kane? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? Yeah, eventually, I'm Erickson sure that well. I'm sure that it will. I mean, I'm sure yeah. they will, and hopefully yeah, they'll pay Kim keep... King's ransom for him. That's okay. You know, yeah, but if they could yeah. keep that um, if they could keep that nucleus together, I think Tottenham's really some more someone to watch out for. And I think Daniel Levy, I think um, you know, he's made a huge investment in there. So I think you know they really um, you know, are going to start to make some moves and really start to um, 
challenge for that top four and challenge for the league in uh, in a few years. So uh, yeah, I think they're one to build for. But um, Lester, I mean Jamie Vardy, he's um, played excellent football this season, and you know I just don't see them sustaining that. And you know mm-hmm. really things start to solidify once you get after that New Year's uh, winter break type period, and I just don't see them sustaining uh, their position for that much longer. So I mean top four. I think we got City, uh, Arsenal, United, and Tottenham. I think will be next year's Champions League um, yeah. participants. Unless, Sound. of course, they take one. Unless they take one of our spots away, that is, is a yeah. possibility yeah. too. Yeah, and you know, yeah. if Tottenham gets fourth, you can almost guarantee that's going to happen. Just like when Chelsea didn't make the Champions League. But God, Wasn't that so? Oh my goodness! I felt so badly for our, for Tottenham fans that year <laughs> because yeah. Bale was actually such an exciting player and did so well for you guys. And yeah, that was, that was tough. I know that was a tough one that pretty, year. Pretty hard for that to happen. Man. Set, set the, pro- <laughs> ha- set the program back now. a little bit. There's no so, doubt about it. So but. anyway, thanks, Anthony. We appreciate the call. Uh, All right, thank I'll you. check in with you guys when I get back from Manchester. Have a good time in, in Germany it. for sure, man. Let, <laughs> let, let, let us know if there's anybody out there that can really give Bayern any type of a battle. In the <laughs> All right, we'll do it. Nice. Yeah. No. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for having me on, guys. All you right, got man, it, Anthony. So that's Anthony. Uh, very nice. City. Nice German dig. He said, he said he's going to Manchester. Oh, I thought he said he was going to see a German team. I, I messed up. Okay. All right. Well, you know, that's, I that's thought you were I just won. giving him a hard time. No. I was letting you roll with it. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ah, go he, get him in Germany. I thought he said, he must have said they were seeing, he was seeing a German team play in Manchester. Perhaps. Is that what he so, said? I mean, they're, they're yeah. playing a I'm Champions sorry about League that, game. Anthony. Yeah. And then Swansea yeah. as well. They're playing Swansea City. Right, right. So anyway, uh, but, but the bottom line, it would be nice to know if anybody could fight, and we'll, and we'll talk to Matthias uh, shortly. It'll be nice to see if anybody can g- give Byron a game. 13 games, 12 wins, one draw, about a plus 30 goals against, yep. okay? You know, goal differential. So that's really interesting. Now, now we watch we'll the- say as well, and we'll give the phone number here, 888-728-9941. That's 888-728-9941. A bit of programming update here for all our listeners. We will have uh, first at 2.20, and again, we're on 2 to 4 p.m. because Villanova basketball will immediately follow us right here on 610 ESPN. But at 2.20, so not 3.20, 2.20, we will have Matthias Schmidt with a Bundesliga update. At 2.30, we will then have Eric Krakauer, big soccer head. Um, you know him from, from various things we've done with him over the years, and he's a great mind for football. I know he'll have certainly some thoughts on El Clasico. For sure. And then at 3 o'clock, we will have Raphael Gellar of BBC. Wow, yeah, Raphael's going to come on because Tel Aviv gets to host Chelsea. And from what I understand, uh, it's, a, it's a pick game as bad as Chelsea's playing right now. How about Anyone that? Anyone could win. I'm kidding. Chelsea's probably a 5 <laughs> one favor. But uh, I would like to, you know, it's good to know that Chelsea has to go to make that long trip to Israel, okay, and have to come back three days later or four days later and play Tottenham in Tottenham, who, who's very arguably the best team, the hottest team in the EPL. That would be Tottenham. One loss. There's only one other team in the Premiership that has not more than one loss, and that is Leicester. Right, and the loss was to Manchester United by Tottenham. Opening own game goal. at Old Trafford. An own own goal. Goal. So Kyle I don't know Walker. how much you could really – I mean, that wasn't even a bad point You know when we looked no. at it. And well, it's funny because Tottenham They didn't kinda, get the point, so – no, but I mean, you're right, but that wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been a bad point right, when they got there. That's correct. That's right. That was their loss. I'm sorry. I'm really losing it today, man. That's okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. We're here. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> wait for you. Yeah, you guys are here to pound, so it's all good. So anyway, we get back to, uh, the EPL matches today. Yep. I mean, first of all, I got to talk about Tottenham playing West Ham. You have a derby 
always a real close game. In fact, I think there were two draws last year between the two sides, okay? The game's at home, and my, my pitch with Tottenham has always been that they don't seem to defend their home pitch very well. You know, they, they would lose games or draw games against the Norwiches of the world, and that would bother me, you know, because you have to, Bobby McMahon always tells us, you have to get the points on your home pitch, okay? You can, you can mess up on the road, but it's very bad. That's why the Manchester City loss was so bad. It was Liverpool, but it was on their home pitch, you know? Right. And, and you know, Tottenham, just the fact that they have six draws, well, you know, if you remember four games into the season, Tottenham was nowhere, man. Sure. What, they have like three draws and a win, you know, something right. like that. Or one right. win, two draws, and a loss. They were like, you know, very, and now they've Longest wrote, unbeaten you know. streak in the, in the premiership right now. And that's a lot because they're up to 12 games, I believe. Right. That's exactly right. right. And if you look at the most uh, important thing that I look at with Tottenham, as I do with a lot of teams, and I always made this argument with Atletico Madrid, look at the amount of goals that they've given up. And it's, I don't know if you're looking at the table right now, but it's, 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 yeah. it's very much on the low side. In terms okay. of what? The goals that Tottenham the has goal given that up? The Tot- goals that Tottenham have given up. Second lowest in the Premiership, tied with Arsenal for second with 11. And the lowest is, as Anthony was pointing out, how well Man U has defended this year. They've right. only given up nine goals. They've only scored 19. That's a differential of 10, as you can imagine. But Tottenham scoring, you know, again, a, a pretty good amount of goals. is actually tied for se- uh, side for third, I should say, in the Premiership this year, 24 goals scored, but 11 against. You mentioned it. There's so no doubt about plus it. Plus 13. Plus 13. Uh, a third, about a third of the way into the season, right? Yep. So that's pretty good. It's I mean, almost, that's very impressive. It's almost you know? exactly a third into the season. Exactly. And they 13 haven't matches. dropped one bad game yet. I mean, they were, they were drawn a couple times when I think they should have won early in the year. Mm-hmm. But certainly, you know, today's game was probably – the most dominant uh, performance against a decent team that I've seen Tottenham perform in a while. With, in a while. And I know, I know we're not even at Thanksgiving yet, but table implications on the line. West Ham, whether you, you argue whether they'll be there later, and I understand, and, and Coach K always talks about how if the schedule is favorable early, it can lead to some red herrings, and I know those aren't the words he uses, but you know what I'm saying. And, right. and simply you're that going to drop some bad games. You're going to drop games later on when the tougher parts of the schedule come into play, is how Brian mostly talks about it. And that may or may not be the case with West Ham. But right now they do sit at sixth, and had they won the game, they would have been squarely in fifth, right where Tottenham is with 24 points on the year. So you do have the rivalry game, as you mentioned. Now, certainly a few years back, West Ham was down a division, but the fact that they have been pulled up has reignited what's it always was a strong rivalry, but now the derbies are happening twice every year at the highest level of football and, and those games do mean a lot. Speaking of derbies and Tottenham, next week after after like we said, after Chelsea goes to Israel, which has got to be a long trip, okay? Sure. Midweek Physically, trip. mentally, and emotionally, there's no doubt about it. Now, the question, I guess the first thing is, how, how much of a team does Chelsea have to put out there? What are they playing for at this point in the I seventh don't, round, you know? I don't know what right. type of starting lineup you'll see necessarily in terms of the whether they put out their, their top guys. Right. I don't right. think they will. Right. And, you know, I mean, once again, though, it doesn't really seem to matter. I This is the kind of game that, unfortunately, I could see... Tottenham falling down on. You know what I mean? Because this is a game, if you look at the name on the front of the, of the uniform, it's a scary thing. I don't know what their, their record's very poor with Chelsea. Being at White Seven Hart Lane. losses on the season for Chelsea so far. 
Right, but the, yeah, but we don't want him to get it right now. Now I watched him play North City. Wasn't impressed at all. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. No, I mean I thought they they limped through the game. They won the game, but North City is not a good team, and that game was a home game for Chelsea. Right. So at Stafford Bridge, I mean, I not impressive to me. Sure. Not a, not a big Chelsea fan, anyways. You know, but I was not impressed by that. They're they're really limping along, and like we said, we're a third of the way through the season. Right. And I really I'm interested to see what the line's going to be, gambling line in, in Britain for this game, because I can't imagine that Tottenham's not going to be favored coming on off a 12 game uh, winning. I think you're know, probably not, right. Not losing, we'll see. I think but the line might be a little tighter than you think. I mean, I don't know what you mean by, but the money will be a little tighter than you think it will be. It's gonna we're gonna see. I mean, it's gonna be interesting, but that. That's going to be a real defining game for both teams this season. Because if we get past that game and win with Chelsea along with Man City um, and a draw with Arsenal uh, on the road, that's looking pretty good, man. Uh, so anyway, we are we are ready. So cue the music, maestro. And that music can only mean one thing, Eric. That's the return of Matthias Schmidt, our Bundesliga expert. How are you doing today, Matthias? I'm great. This is the highlight of my Sunday. Ah, oh, beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. The music, and then you have to talk to us. Yeah, yes. most people, you know, the Lord rests on Sunday, but not the Vuvuzel show. We keep going, man. So, so my friend, uh, what is new? And I, I know I always, I always kind of start, lead with the same thing. But really, Bayern Munich, what are they, about a plus 30 goal differential? 12 plus wins in, yeah, plus 35, right? <laughs> 12 wins in 13 matches, right? I mean, and, and, and one draw, right? So they've dropped, what, yeah. two points out of 39 or, yeah. or and, something like that. And remember, yeah. it's, it's not just against Bundesliga teams. I mean, certainly the game a few weeks back against Arsenal was, it was a defiant moment for this Bayern Munich team, for those haters that are saying, this is only being done because of a perceived, and I say that in air quotes, a perceived lack of depth in, in the Bundesliga. I mean, this team is on an absolute tear right now, Matthias. That's right. And I think last last time we spoke two Sundays ago, I said it's only five points between Bayern and Dortmund. And Bayern could lose at Schalke, and Dortmund wins. It's only two points. But uh, the other way around happened. Bayern won at Schalke, and Dortmund lost at Hamburg, which was pretty unexpected, but Hamburg played their best game all season, so all of a sudden it's eight points. Right. It's incredible. It's incredible, Matthias, because, you know, they go in to Bayern Munich, go in to play um, um, Schalke, right? And Schalke's a, a, usually a very strong team, right? I mean, the Champions League many times, Europa League, they just got, they just got, they got clobbered by them. I mean, 3-1 at home is terrible for a Schalke team, I think. You know. They 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 played well until the last kind of thirty minutes into the second half when Bayern just kept wearing them down. They made some adjustments in midfield. They have to uh, play, you know, from now on or all season against teams that play five in the back and get in, it gets incredibly tight in the back there. And um, Martinez, who I'm glad who's back uh, on the pitch, he's, he scored the header for the 2-1 go-ahead. And from then on, Schalke tried to open up a little bit, and then it was Miller in the in the 92nd minute. So they they lost Alaba. He will be out for the Champions League match on Tuesday. But they they have such depth on their on their bench. They can compensate somebody like Alaba 
somebody like Thiago who's missing for three weeks, Götze who's not playing. Uh, and they have to because it's a long season. They play in three uh, competitions and they, they want to win all three competitions, or at least two out of three, especially with the Champions League this year. This will be the defining year for Guardiola, whether he sticks around or not. And it's interesting because it seems to me, if you look at the Bundesliga table, it's really starting to shape up the way you would envision it in your in your mind. That's correct. And I'm, you know, Gladbach, they lost their first five games out of the last eight. They won their seven and, and drew only one. They're in fifth place right now. Uh, Leverkusen is sixth. Chikarito, he scores every game. Wow. He's been a great addition. Um, Schalke is seven. Ingolstadt is on eighth spot. Uh, they won today. At home, three to one. Uh, they're the newcomer uh, in the uh, in the Bundesliga. Uh, Hoffenheim. They did not play. Uh, they're playing poorly this season. They have only have eight points. They're dead last. Um, Stuttgart and Augsburg are down there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you're right. It keeps shaping up like you know most people expect it. Wolfsburg is up there. Dortmund is up there. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that Berlin is hanging uh, around up there uh, as well. I didn't think they would be playing that consistently, but they are. But it's funny how it seems to be shaping up the way you thought. Now, the only thing, the thing that I saw that interests me this last week or so was Robin. Apparently, they're talking about him coming into the Premier League. Is there any? Is there any juice to that? Uh, I think the 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 strategy was to look for long term replacements for Ribery and Robin because they're aging up and. Uh, I think they have found some some very good um, alternates with uh, uh, Douglas Costa and Coman, who's on loan from Juventus. And uh, Robin is still important. He's very important to Bayern. Um, he's in his you know early 30s. He's, he has a tendency to get injured for longer spells. Um, if he would, if he were to leave Bayern at the end of the season, I don't think. Uh, a lot of people would be, you know, crying over him. Um, but he's important to the team, and he has shown that he has the winning attitude. In 2012, he was the unlucky guy that missed penalties against Dortmund and in the final against Chelsea. And then the yeah. year later, he, he beat uh, basically Dortmund in the final uh, by himself. So he's incredibly important, competitive, and uh, Bayern needs him as long as he's healthy. Yeah, and right now we're talking to Matthias Schmidt. He is our Bundesliga expert. And yes, you you brought something up, and you said competitor, competitive. And think about Robin is while he is aging. I think you're absolutely right. The way it looks to me, and it's the tough thing in sports, right? I mean, not to take a an American football example, but Peyton Manning, as recently as last year, was throwing the ball with a lot more velocity and zip, and was one of the better quarterbacks in the game. Now this year, he's looked at as a liability. So I, I hesitate to say that Robin can maintain this high level of performance for a long, long period of time. However, I, I don't think he's lost that much form, and certainly still has the class of a world-class player that he is. Uh, you know what? The, what would the timetable be for what you're talking about? Whether it be coming to the English Premier League, the replacements being able to step in uh, in that in that way is that timetable like a next year thing? Is that more down the line? I think it's happening already. Okay. I don't think it's you know that far down the line. This this season with you know Costa and Coman and and Vidal, I think there's a, a Guardiola has uh, shaped the team uh, 
to his vision, how he likes to play uh, football, and it's, it's starting to materialize. Um, and one of the weaknesses of previous Bayern teams has been that they were easy to figure out because everything was uh, coming over the wings with uh, Robin and Ribéry, and now you just have uh, many more, you know, weapons uh, in the uh, in the middle, in the center of the pitch. And uh, I've been a Bayern fan for over 35 years, and you you're starting to form a team. They're playing really well. People are starting to age. I've seen players come and go over 35 years. And if you accept that the change is inevitable, you know whether it's Peyton Manning or, or Robin, um, I think you, you enjoy the game a lot more and you enjoy the moment when you see some star players coming uh, into form and then they just, uh, um, you know, just uh, slowly go into retirement. Yeah, I hear you. And now we'll... I mean, Schweinsteiger. I mean, look at Schweinsteiger. He's... He has been at Bayern for so long. He's yep. pivotal. He won everything. You know, he just was he just was missing a step in midfield. The game was just getting faster the way that Guardiola wanted to play it. He went to Manchester United. He always verbalized he wanted to play in the Premier League one day. And Bayern let him go and he's happy at Manchester United. And if it's well into the system, he might be able to get, you know, another you know, two to three years. The European Championship is next year. Um, if he stays healthy, which he really wasn't the last two years, he missed half the season uh, last year. Uh, then he'll play well and he'll be the leader that the, the German national team needs. We are talking to Matthias Schmidt, our Bundesliga expert, right here on Vuvuzela, the World Soccer Show, presented by the Iron Abbey. Now we're going to bring on Coach K. Coach K has been over in Denmark for the last couple of weeks. And, Coach, we have uh, an opportunity. We got Matthias for one more question here. I'm so glad you hopped on. And if you have something for Matthias. Sure. I mean, it, it, and by the way, isn't the show three to five? Did I miss something again? <laughs> yeah, you missed. Yeah, you. Mi- no, I, I was. I we they they played around a little bit with our schedule because of these <laughs> these thanks these Christmas and Thanksgiving uh, basketball, basketball tournaments, tired, okay? just games in general. Yes. Yep. You always but told kids, me if I, I read my message. Wait, Brian, you always told me if I read my messages that I would know. I gave you the message, <laughs> my friend. I'm honest. I can prove that. <laughs> anyway, go, go ahead, Brian. It's, I'm glad you're alive. I thought you may, I thought you may have 86 yourself, pal, after that, after this game. Actually, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was actually going to come home, uh, come down to the show, but I, I thought I saw that story. <laughs> but anyway, Matthias, the question I have for you, do you think that, 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 Bayern gets pushed enough in the Bundesliga to make a very deep run into the. Uh, when we talk about deep run, if they don't, if they don't get to the final and win the final, it's almost a disappointment. Disappointment in the Champions League, isn't it? Yes, they they have the objective to, on a consistent basis, make it to the semifinals in the Champions League and. I think this year it will be incredibly difficult to beat Bayern over two games. A one-game match like a final, that you you need a little bit of luck. You know the the the, the form of the day decides a lot. Uh, but this year it will be very very difficult to beat Bayern over two matches. And at the beginning of the season, after three four matches, I saw that they're just they have an extra step, this extra concentration uh, that they didn't have last season. The new players are integrating well. And I've prophesied from the beginning that they will make it uh, to the San Siro, uh, to the Champions League final. I hope it'll happen. 
Uh, but of course, there's no guarantee. And uh, Barcelona and Bayern are the two top teams in Europe right now, I think. And Matthias, uh, we yeah. appreciate the uh, we appreciate the time. We're coming up against the break, and thanks as always for the report. We will catch you next week. You're welcome, guys. Have a great Sunday. Thank you, man. Right. And I'm very happy we could be the highlight of somebody's week. So that, that is great. Thank you, Matthias. Brian, hold Brian, on. Brian, and stay, we stay also, on, man. We also have Eric Krakauer on the line. We'll get to him right after the break. Sorry, Eric, we're running just a few minutes late, but we have uh, have gotten to a lot of things over the last half hour. A lot more great soccer talk to get to. Eric Krakauer on the other side. Robner, Allen, Robner, Zimmerman, and Nash is a law firm specializing in workers' compensation, personal injury, domestic relations, and any other legal matter affecting individuals' rights and freedoms. Eric Nash, host of Vuvuzela, the World Soccer Show, is a named partner and has been helping injured individuals for nearly 22 years. Call 215-953-2720 for a free consultation. Most legal matters are handled on a percentage basis. Call 215-953-2720. That's 215-953-2720. The law firm of Rovner, Allen, Rovner, Zimmerman, and Nash. They get results. Are you a soccer fan wondering where you can catch the soccer match with a great pub atmosphere? The Iron Abbey in Horsham is the place featuring EPL, La Liga, and Champions League. Also a proud pub partner with the Philadelphia Union with early openings Saturday and Sunday for the games with a great breakfast menu and food menu to complement the atmosphere. The Iron Abbey voted Best Bar of the Year 2015 offers 40 beers on draft and over 800 bottles to choose from. Visit their award-winning bottle shop, The Loft, for great takeout and mix-and-match six-packs to go. If you're a soccer fan, you have to check out Iron Abbey, the official soccer pub in the Burbs. Go to ironabbey.com for schedules and like them on Facebook to stay up to date. Please check out the Iron Abbey presents Vuvuzela World Soccer Show every Sunday from 3 to 5 on 610 Sports. Roughneck Scarfs is proud to be an official sponsor of the Vuvuzela Show. Roughneck specializes in custom scarves for schools, clubs, supporters, and corporate promotions. They're also the official scarf supplier to U.S. Soccer, MLS, USL, and NCAA. Visit roughneckscarves.com and use promo code VUVU for an exclusive discount on your next scarf order. Roughneck Scarves. Better service, better designs, better scarves. If you suffer from pain or tension, Dr. Frank McCaffrey of Academy Injury and Health Center can help. Academy Injury can help you get out of pain just like they've helped many patients in WTEL's listening audience. In fact, mention the word soccer and receive an incredible first visit special offer. Call Academy Injury and Health Center at 215-637-1212. That's 215-637-1212. Academy Injury and Health Center can get you out of pain and enhance your performance. Okay, we're back. We're back. Thank you for bringing us in there. Okay, so we have uh, Brian still holding. Is that right, Brian? Yes, I'm still here. Thank you, sir. You're probably still on that Danish time, and we're going to talk to you about your trip in in a moment. But let me let us bring in Eric Krakauer. Give us the big introduction, Bob. Well, Eric Krakauer, good friend of the show, <laughs> certainly, and we've done lots of things with him over the years. Uh, he is the lead writer, the host, the face, if you will. Of big soccer head, and uh, and he's happy to. We're happy to have him with us right now. Eric, how are you doing? 
Very good, gentlemen. Good to be back. Absolutely. So now we can put a face to the head. Yeah, and there okay. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can yeah. also remember, you can also hear all his uh, all his things, including the Big Soccer Head podcast on iTunes. He's an editor at ProstAmerica.com. And so, Eric, first of all, what there are lots of things going on in world soccer. We just got off uh, a very important international break where we had Euro 16, 20, uh, 2016 qualifications. You had a U.S. men's national team qualifier match. Now this weekend, back to football on the domestic circuit and El Clasico and certainly Liverpool, Man City highlight the uh, the action. What what stood out to you? Well, I guess the El Clasico is, is the main story. Anytime those two teams face each other, nothing else seems to matter, really. Uh, and after a, a 4 nothing drubbing away from home uh, at the Bernabeu, there are a lot of questions about the direction that Real Madrid is heading in. So I think that's the big topic. Do you, do you think that the, some of the calls, whether it's for Benitez's job or for an overhaul of tactics, is that a bit early, or do you find that to be something that's warranted at this, at this juncture? Well, we're only in November, and so you could say that it's reasonably early. But there were some question marks about Benitez when he, he was first touted for the job. Nobody wanted Ancelotti to go. When the name Benitez's name was thrown in, everybody questioned that. Nobody was sure whether he could really be the kind of manager who would lead uh, Real Madrid forward, would be the kind of manager who could uh, implement the tactics that Madrid fans are used to. And considering some of the lackluster performances we've seen in the past two months, I think it is reasonable to ask questions about his tactics and whether or not his relationships with the players are really hurting the project that he's embarking on. And to switch gears just a little bit now, we're talking to Eric Krakauer right now on Vuvuzela, the World Soccer Show, and we're presented by the Iron Abbey in Horsham. But Eric, on the other side, this Barcelona team, uh, certainly to have Messi on the sideline for two months, this team really hasn't missed many, if any, a stride. Came back in the second half just almost for posterity's sake to say, you know what, yes, I am healthy, but not needed in this in this drubbing, as you put it. What do you think that means for the, for the club moving forward? I mean, what role do you see Messi playing, and, and how quickly does he get back to form and fitness? Well, I, I think there was an agreement there that he'd come in no matter what the score was, at about the 60th or 70th minute. That, that was a pre-agreement for sure. He would want to play a part in this. I think he enjoyed coming in and not having to feel the pressure of having to do something to, to change the game. So they were leading uh, 3 nothing, if I'm not mistaken, or at least 2 nothing by, by that point. But I don't think anything changes. What we have seen is that Barcelona can can function without him. And that's great news because that hasn't always been the case in the past. Neymar has uh, grown tremendously. Suarez has played a big part because he's been willing to be the sacrificial lamb. And what I mean by that is that he's become a player who understands that even though he is, in my estimation, no less of a player than Neymar is, he understands that Neymar, when Messi isn't there, is the key guy. So he's played for Neymar just the same way as he and Neymar played for Messi. So then now that Messi is back, I think we go back to what it was just uh, in September or what it was last season, and it's really frightening to think of these three guys as a healthy triumvirate. I just don't see them being stopped. 
Now we'll go to Brian here. Brian Kammersgaard is on the phone here, Eric. And, and Brian, if you have anything for, for Mr. Crack Hour here. Well, I mean, I, for me, the big thing on the, on, on the weekends, you know, obviously I, I, I attended some international games, but the biggest thing for me on this, uh, on this weekend, obviously what was, what was to Barcelona and what they did to Real Madrid. I think, I think a lot of things are going on in Real Madrid right now, and one of them, I, I and I, when I was in Europe this weekend, I heard rumors about this, and I want to bring it up again, uh, that Ronaldo may be looking to get out of Real Madrid, and uh, and the way the game went yesterday, he looked completely on on uh, not interested in that game, and also it, it shows what 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 power uh, Barcelona is with with those three guys, and they played without Messi yesterday, but with Suarez and uh, Neymar, and then when they get Messi back, I mean, everybody was worried about how they would do without Messi. Well, they showed that, but the rumors going on, just so you know the fresh rumor from Europe, is that the reason Chelsea has not fired uh, Mourinho yet is because Mourinho is trying to convince, convince Ronaldo to... to uh, to leave Real Madrid and go to England and play for Chelsea. Uh, that is the hot rumor right off the press over there. And, uh, and that's the only reason that that Mourinho hasn't been fired yet, supposedly, according again to the what the newspapers are writing. But I don't know how much there is to it. But, I, I, you know, just looking at the game, I mean, Barcelona is scary. What they did to what Real Madrid yesterday is... I've never seen anything like that. What do you think about that, Eric? Well, I think uh, as far as Ronaldo is concerned, uh, you know, for the past two years you've been hearing rumors about a potential departure. I didn't think anything would happen until the end of this season solely because Ronaldo was hot on Raul's scoring title heels, scoring record heels, and you knew that he wanted to break that and be Real Madrid's all-time leading scorer. Now, there's been a suggestion that he has spoken to Florentino Perez, that he isn't happy with his role under Benitez. Benitez isn't known to be uh, very friendly with the players, or he just doesn't exactly build the best relationships. And you need, with Ronaldo, you need to be the kind of manager who uh, pets him a little bit. He's like a little bit of a pet. You need to keep him happy. And he's definitely not happy. So I think talk about him leaving is very serious. And, and I would actually venture to say that I think he will leave at the end of this season if uh, an attractive offer comes in for the club and he can go to a club where he'll continue to, to break records. As far as Barcelona's performance is, is concerned, they were fantastic. They re were very good. But you also have to look at how bad Real Madrid were. And one, one case that, that really highlights that is the Iniesta goal, where he managed to do a triangle passing play with, with Neymar. And Modric and Cruz, but mostly Modric, didn't follow Iniesta. So there was no tracking back from the midfield. And what you saw was Varane and Ramos constantly being pulled out of position uh, into the midfield because there was just so much space between Real Madrid's midfielders uh, and Real Madrid's but, defense, and, and that was the key there. So you, Eric, you not only saw a very good Barcelona, but you also saw a dreadful Real Madrid. Yeah, but that's true. But I also think that Real Madrid 
uh, was spent bad because parts of law that didn't allow them to do anything. You know, so I think that it got compounded. The fact that Barcelona was on and Barcelona was able to push the ball down the Real Madrid's throat really made, made Real Madrid look worse than they were. And I think that, that there's, a, you know, coaches out there that you play, we'll uh, tell you all the time, that you sometimes you play, you can only play to what the opponent allows you to do. And I think this yesterday's game was the result of that, that Real Madrid wasn't allowed to do anything. And I give, uh, so they did look bad, but I do give uh, I do give Barcelona a great deal of the credit for that because they didn't allow Real Madrid to do anything anywhere on the field. And, you know, and you can just, when Suarez and, they, and Neymar and, and when Messi gets back, they are in this kind of a mood where they can just keep going at it and they play with this much freedom and they play with this much passion. They're going to be tough to stuff, man. They are going to be tough to stuff. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I don't think we can argue with that. What are you guys moving along? uh, Which I think was probably, and you know, always seems overlooked a little bit in this country was the Euro qualifiers. Now, Brian, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we had talked about that before. Now, you were there, I believe. You saw the the Sweden Denmark was, I guess, was pretty much the marquee match up there because it's a border war with them, right? It's a a geographical rivalry, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, here's what happened: uh, in that, that that game was affected by a lot of things. Uh, Denmark went to Sweden in the first in the first game on on uh, on the Saturday night, and Denmark had lost two to one. And to be honest with you, uh, Denmark wasn't even in the game until the last 20 minutes. Sweden was much better than Denmark was, and uh, and Denmark uh, they made some mistakes within within their lineup, and when they corrected that in the last 20 minutes, Denmark scored a nice goal, and they actually. Could have, they could have tied the game. So now they go to Denmark, and Denmark has to win this game in Denmark. But two nights before this happened, uh, this game is taking place. All this stuff happened down in France. Uh, and 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 that day, that that uh, Tuesday night, uh, we, uh, all the other games got canceled. That was not European qualifiers. Germany canceled their game. France canceled their game. Uh, all in case of their game, and in Denmark is a country that is pretty, that is pretty. People don't own guns, and you don't see uh, the police up to about three or four years ago didn't carry guns, and now there was riot police on the street. There was military presence. Uh, police walk, uh, riot police, SWAT team members walking in and out, in and around the crowd with with machine guns, you know, pulled out and. And pointing at people, I mean, it, it, it was it was just a weird, uh, a weird kind of uh, uh, feeling, and it's just a weird atmosphere. But the game starts, and Denmark is all over Sweden, and 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 then uh, Sweden gets uh, about 20 minutes, and Sweden gets a uh, gets a, gets a corner kick, and Slatan was uh, was free in the box, and he scored, and and uh, and after that. Uh, uh, you know, for the next 30 minutes, again, they were pressing and trying to get a goal, and they couldn't. And Sweden scored another one, and then now the game is now Denmark's got to score four, and Denmark actually came back and tied the game up. But it, Sweden is better than Denmark is at this point. Denmark is is in the middle of a uh, of a of a change in, in guards, getting rid of a lot of old guys, and getting 
a lot of young new guys played in. And uh, so it's, it's one of those things where Denmark did not, not qualify over the weekend by losing to Sweden. Denmark didn't qualify with the tide of media at home and, and tied, uh, tied of media at home, 0-0. Zero, zero. Those are the two games uh, where Denmark didn't qualify. If Denmark had gotten three points in any of those two games, they would have been in the tournament. But, right, Brian, you know, the, 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 I'm sorry. I just want to say the thing is, though, Bri, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of a tough way just looking at, for, for, for a famous coach to kind of bow out on the uh, international level, you know? Yeah. Kind it of. Was, so, it was. so, Eric, what did you think about the, uh, you know, what did you think? I mean, we, there were three other big qualifiers there. Give us some of your thoughts. I just like listening to you. I'm just taking notes for you two guys talking, really. It's, good. <laughs> it's very educational to me, so I'm really enjoying it. So what is crack? I mean, you had you had the Ukraine, you had Hungary, and a lot of interesting stories there. Well, look, uh, perhaps the the most uh, surprising turnout was Ireland actually getting through Bosnia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, a more talented team, but Ireland managed to come out on top, and, and I'm actually happy about that because whenever there's a big tournament and Ireland are involved, I think it makes it great for the for the host nation because they're great fans to to have around. Hungary got extremely lucky in their tie. The the game in Norway, they could have conceded about six or seven goals, but Norway just wasn't able to, to score in all the opportunities that they had. And once they went back to Hungary, it was just quite easy for Hungary to, to sit back and hit on the counter. And, of course, it was a great goal. As for Ukraine, they were in the playoffs. But this is a team that could make some noise in, in Europe to 2016. They got two great players in Kwanopoyanka, and Yarmolenko, uh, and I, I think they could really surprise a few people, as could Sweden. And I was a little bit surprised at how lopsided that turned out to be with Denmark just missing out on direct qualification, being beaten by, of all teams, Albania. So it was, it was a good playoff. It was a good playoff, and I think we're going to see a lot of teams we wouldn't usually see in the year of 2016, which makes it good for, for fans. It's kind of setting up a little <laughs> bit for Ibrahimovic's like, uh, curtain call kind of thing you know if in this country i would say there was a little dirty dealing going on to to kind of set that up and have uh ibrahimovic and sweden go forward you know that was just i know that was a pretty fantastic goal that he scored right right i i, I, t- I tell you what eric with, with uh, uh both eric's and bob there yeah, i i've watched all the games obviously which i got a lot of uh my family wasn't too happy about that. I travel across the world and I go, shh, I'm watching the game, you know? Don't talk to me. Gee, Brian, I, still, uh, I can't see you but, doing that. It's a big surprise to me. You probably had yeah. to do more work but, to get those games but, on yeah. over there than here. Yeah, I, I can tell you this, though. The Norway was never close in any of those two games, even though they had a lot of chances. I, I think Norway, and I'm glad for the Norway didn't qualify. They play horrible soccer and it's not fun to watch. Um, Ireland, I thought um, they played extremely well in both those two games against Bosnia. And Bosnia in Ireland never really got going. And watching the game over there and watching those Saints going absolutely crazy, uh, just wonderful. I mean, it is so much fun. Uh, it is so much fun to, to watch. And, and in, in terms of Ukraine, I agree. Ukraine is a good team. And, uh, and Sweden is a good team. I mean, Sweden is certainly right now they're better than Denmark is. And, and I, you you don't know, have any idea how much that hurts for me to say, but they are. Uh, but but if you look at uh, if you look at the tournament next year, there's going to be some teams in there that's never really been in before. Wales, 
Albania, uh, you know. Northern uh, Ireland, aren't they there? Are Northern they Ireland, kids? Ireland, yeah. Wales. It's going to be fun. There's some big ones that got there. Holland, Denmark, you know. It's going to be it's going to be a fun tournament. And and, uh, and uh, the other talk there is right now is if, if they are talking about me removing the tournament out of France because of what happened over over the week, uh, the last week or so, and and, uh, and they want the French soccer federation to to come up with some type of security plan where they can they can they can provide security for all the teams and all the uh, all the phases or so that's there. You know, the, if you don't know the story, the the attacks actually took place in and around the soccer stadium. That's where they started at Park the Prince. And and uh, if it wasn't for uh, a very, very uh, well-trained dog, uh, they would probably have gotten in, you know, and and uh, then we wouldn't be talking about something completely different today than, than soccer. I can tell you that. Uh, but, uh, you know, for me, the the the... the, the the thing that also, obviously, uh, uh, you know, I, you gotta love uh, the Premier League. You know, Liverpool beats Chelsea, then they lose to Crystal Palace at home, and then they destroy Manchester City away. And uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta love what's going on there, and, and, and have Leicester in first place. That is brilliant. I mean, you can't, you couldn't have written that fraud. story any they're better than this right now. Fraud, fraud. I think they're a fraud. I'm going out on a limb and saying. <laughs> They're not going to be there when the season's over, but what a great story it is. I mean, what a great story it is that the team last year, yeah, yeah, at this time, in last place. Get, I mean, I hear you. We'll, we'll get that. But, but Eric, uh, how, how about your thoughts uh, on the Premier League? I got two questions for you: Manchester uh, City and Liverpool. Your thoughts on that? And also, can I really get like behind my Tottenham team? I mean, the announcers on these games are telling me, "Hey, this is a Champions League side. They could win. The, they could win the whole thing." Your thoughts? Uh, I'll start with Liverpool. The first thing you're seeing is that. Klopp is having a, a, an impact. The first impact is, is psychological, and I think that you see that on the field, on the pitch, with players who are happy with the positions that they're playing with. They seem to understand what is expected of them, and you didn't see that towards the end of um, of uh, Brendan Rodgers' tenure at, at Liverpool, where players were playing in multiple positions. They seemed confused. The first thing that you see at Liverpool is that without the ball defensively, they're a different team. They're much more organized. And Skirtle and Lovren are the beneficiaries. They're completely different players. They're confident and leading from, from the back. As far as Tottenham is concerned, you know, I was a little bit critical of Pochettino uh, last season, and we have a tendency of doing that in, in, in a results-based game, in a what-have-you-done-for-me recently and or lately and what you're seeing there is a project that is finally solidified with young players uh, fulfilling their duties. Again, confidence playing a big part. But this is a project for the long run. And, you know, you might have commentators saying that Tottenham can get in the Champions League. They could. Everything is possible. I mean, you have Leicester in first place with 28 points, and they're in fifth place uh, just four points behind. But what you really should be happy about as a Tottenham fan is that this is something that should continue unless Daniel Levy ruins this by selling his players. 
this should continue for the next couple of seasons. And with an average age of 25 on this team and young England internationals, because Pochettino just seems to have a way of finding these diamonds in rough and then placing them in national teams. So there's a lot of upside to what you're seeing, and I, and I really think it's only going to get better. I think it's fair not not to mention the new stadium being built and their association with the NFL. I mean, yeah, Tottenham uh, once seems to be on the road to being a player. I just didn't think, looking at the first four games of the season, that it was gonna, that it was going to happen so quickly. We're talking to Eric Krakauer right now on Vuvuzela, the World Soccer Show. And Eric, to your one comment about Levy selling the players, you know, I, I agree, certainly. I'm a process-oriented type guy. It's the way I enjoy to, to see sports flow as well. Now, I, I still think that that process, again, even if um, some of the players are sold, you're talking about return on investment, return on value, and more of a long-term building. That's not what I'd like to see, certainly from Tottenham. But even if that happens, it's about you know maximizing that increasing and increasing that return on investment. Yeah, absolutely. But what you have at Tottenham is a a very supportive, uh, a very fervent fan base that is looking for some results. And there is a danger because Lizzy has a, a history of doing this. There is a danger of sort of steering the wrong way all of a sudden when you're going in the right direction. Now, in the cases, I know that Eric mentioned Bale and Modric and, and Van der Vaart as, as the players who made Tottenham exciting in the recent past or the last time that they were exciting. There, they're sort of Tottenham's hands were tied because these players wanted to leave. But I think there's a real investment, since you mentioned, Bob, you mentioned the word investment, there's a real investment in the players, and the, and the, and the players are invested in the project. So right. only Levy, only Levy, in my, in my opinion, could ruin this by deciding that making more money, and they will be making money, and they need to make money, making more money is more important than the results and a stable ship, really. That makes a lot of sense. And Eric, if we can, in about 60 to 90 seconds, quick thoughts on, on MLS and, uh, and some picks for the semifinals and then into the championship. Well, I can start with Eastern Conference because, you know, covering the, the Red Bulls for, for Pro America. Sure. This is going to be an interesting tie. You know, regular season they played three times. The Red Bulls won twice, one at home and one away, and Columbus won one game uh, in Columbus. I think the Red Bulls have more than enough to get through, but without Damien Perinel, Zubar and Miazga have to be very careful with Kai Kamara. As for Dallas against Portland, they played two games. They split the game. 4-1 for Dallas at home, 3-1 for the Timbers at home. So in that tie, I, whoever scores the most goals at home goes through. I think Dallas in their run of form, and how fitting is it that you have the two teams playing for the uh, supporter shield facing each other potentially in the MLS Cup? Yeah, that's, it would be very, very interesting. And uh, and certainly your your work with the Red Bulls, again, you can read that at ProstAmerica.com. Eric Krakauer, also of Big Soccer Head and a good friend of ours here at Vuvuzela. Thanks for the time, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me on. Thanks, Crack. Let's not make it such a long time next time, all right, buddy? <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. Thanks, all right. Okay, so Eric Krakauer. Can I call him the great Eric Krakauer? Wonderful time. Just I'm telling you, just listening to Brian and, and him go on. I really enjoyed that. So, that Brian, good. we're going well, we're, we're to take the break. So, uh, Brian's going to hang on, and uh, we'll oh, catch you on the other oh, side. Sure. Yep, you got it. This is Vuvuzela, the World Soccer Show. You can follow us on Twitter, at Vuvuzela Blast. And now we are officially 
on iTunes. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. That's Vuvuzela, Vuvuzela, the World Soccer Show. And we will be right back for the second hour. It's Raphael Gellar of BBC coming up next. Are you a soccer fan wondering where you can catch the soccer match with a great pub atmosphere? The Iron Abbey in Horsham is the place featuring EPL, La Liga, and Champions League. Also a proud pub partner with the Philadelphia Union with early openings Saturday and Sunday for the games with a great breakfast menu and food menu to complement the atmosphere. The Iron Abbey voted Best Bar of the Year 2015 offers 40 beers on draft and over 800 bottles to choose from. Visit their award-winning bottle shop, The Loft, for great takeout and mix-and-match six-packs to go. If you're a soccer fan, you have to check out Iron Abbey, the official soccer pub in the Burbs. Go to ironabbey.com for schedules and like them on Facebook to stay up to date. Please check out the Iron Abbey presents Vuvuzela World Soccer Show every Sunday from 3 to 5 on 610 Sports. Roughneck Scarfs is proud to be an official sponsor of the Vuvuzela Show. Roughneck specializes in custom scarves for schools, clubs, supporters, and corporate promotions. They're also the official scarf supplier to U.S. Soccer, MLS, USL, and NCAA. Visit roughneckscarves.com and use promo code VUVU for an exclusive discount on your next scarf order. Roughneck Scarves. Better service, better designs, better scarves. Robner, Allen Robner, Zimmerman, and Nash is a law firm specializing in workers' compensation, personal injury, domestic relations, and any other legal matter affecting individuals' rights and freedoms. Eric Nash, host of Vuvuzela, the World Soccer Show, is a named partner and has been helping injured individuals for nearly 22 years. Call 215-953-2720 for a free consultation. Most legal matters are handled on a percentage basis. Call 215-953-2720. That's 215-953-2720. The law firm of Rovner, Allen, Rovner, Zimmerman, and Nash. They get results. If you suffer from pain or tension, Dr. Frank McCaffrey of Academy Injury and Health Center can help. Academy Injury can help you get out of pain just like they've helped many patients in WTEL's listening audience. In fact, mention the word soccer and receive an incredible first visit special offer. Call Academy Injury and Health Center at 215-637-1212. That's 215-637-1212. Academy Injury and Health Center can get you out of pain and enhance your performance. The city of brotherly love How you doing? and sisterly affection. We are 610 Sports WTEL AM Philadelphia. We're back. We want to thank uh, Eric Crack, our for coming on. Yeah, it was great having him on again. And uh, Brian, still there, Brian? Yeah, I'm still here. All right, so, Brian, I want to ask you straight on, man. I'm and sorry, before Bob's we do that, we just yeah. have a quick word from our friends over at the Football World Quiz Cup. And we want to know, certainly, if our fans love football and love their club and country. And if they do, then the thing to do is follow World Quiz Cup on Twitter, where you answer football trivia questions and take your club and country to world glory. With over 19,000 followers and still growing, just search for at Football Quiz Cup. That's at Football Quiz Cup on Twitter, and then follow them to see the questions and start playing yourself. It's like FanDuel, except legal. 
So there you go. What are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm, I, I got my eyes squarely on you I, there, I, I, Eric, you and I know you do did. too, Brian. I know you, you know what I'm talking did. about. And all I'm going to say to that right, is... Right, right, right. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to say anything because I'm a bad gambler. That's all I'm going to say, okay? okay. We're going to move on. So We're going to move on. <laughs> Brian, I want to, Brian, I want to ask you this, okay, man? Because we watched our game and both our teams did well this weekend, very well this weekend. Do you think, because you told me Tottenham, we talk about this all the time, you said Tottenham... Does not have the, you know, they're, they're, they're satisfied being okay, being decent and not, you know, they don't have the, the fight of the, the, the eye of the tiger, so to speak, okay? I'm starting to see a change in Tottenham, you know? You know, that I really think that they're starting to get the eye of the tiger. And I'll tell you what, Chelsea is probably very nervous about going into White Hart Lane next, next Saturday or Sunday, whichever day that is. Well, I mean, Look, this is my take of Tottenham, which I told you before. The proof is in the pudding. Every time Tottenham has had a great player, they sell the guy. And, and uh, you know, they haven't had a guy that, that I mean, this will, I mean, Bale will be, if Bale scores a lot of goals this year, which right now he is, he scored uh, six goals in the last four, five games. If he can, if, if, if he keeps that pace up, and Tottenham keeps him instead of selling him. Uh, uh, did I say Bale? Obviously, it's not Bale. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, You're talking Bale, about Harry, Harry Kane, sold. probably? Are you talking about Harry Kane? Harry Kane. Yeah. It's a Freudian slip there. But, yeah. but, uh, but Bale is the one we talked about, right? They, they, he's a great player. That he, could you imagine him on the same team with, with Harry Kane? How good they sure. would, they would be scary. I don't it, know, Brian. How much do we it, lose getting Christian Eriksen, you know, and Musa Dembali and, well, and getting mean, all that money for other players, you know? But, but that's, but, but that's the point. You know, would you rather have Garrett Bale and, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh now I forgot his name again. The guy who scores all the goals, now Kane. Harry <laughs> Kane. Well, that's because you, you thought he was a flash in the pan. I know that. No, so. I didn't. I said it's very. He's going to have a very tough time repeating what he did last year, and he's he's not he's not going to end up with the same amount of goals he did last year. No, he's not. But he's uh, coming he, on. He, he's coming on. Uh, uh, you know, it's you know, so so, and Erickson has struggled a little bit. Erickson is not playing as scoring as many goals as he did last year either. But what I said was this: Look, the proof is it's going to be if they all want to this guy, uh, you know, then then. They're showing me that that uh, that uh, that they uh, that they they are, they want to be for real. They want to be uh, they want to be a team that not only can compete in England but can also uh, compete in the Champions League. So, but you, but there is a but number, it, Brian. Isn't there a number on every player? That, like, for instance, Bale. I mean, how do you? How would you not sell Bale in that position at that time for Tottenham? Well, Barcelona's upsell. You know what I mean? That, that, that's the difference. You know, there is their number. For a lot of teams, there's a number. For other teams, there is not a number. You don't see Chelsea, Leeds United, Barcelona, Real Madrid, uh, Arsenal really selling all their their greatest players. And if they do, I mean, I don't know if they, that's true about Arsenal. I think Arsenal sells and buys, but I, I hear what you're saying. So you're saying in order to compete in the EPL, really compete, you've got to be a buyer yeah. and not a seller. Is that what you're basically saying? Well, 
Yeah, but you you can be a seller, but you can't sell your best players. You know what I mean? You can go out and say, okay, we have this guy, we don't really need him, so we can get rid of him, and then we can bring in another guy or two other guys, whatever. But you can't sell your best player. You can't sell uh, Harry Kane and, and Bale and Erickson, for instance, and, and expect to win. Right. Well, the reason I'll, tell, right. I'll tell you what it is. Yeah. I, I think you can sell to a point. Like I think you can sell to rebuild. I don't think you can sell to win. I think what you can do is if you have a guy like Bale and you can get – big dollars and be able to that's what I was talking about with crack hour is if you can allocate those in a more efficient fashion than what that money was earning you under bail even with the value that bail brought if you can assign that four ways maybe and put that type of quality and now depth on your roster you know that can make you better and improve you over time but that's not how you're going to win an English Premier League title and it's not how you're going to win a Champions League title I disagree a little bit. Look, look at Liverpool, right? They look at all the money they got for Suarez. Look at all the money they got for Sterling. For Sterling. Sure. Yeah. They think, wanted to get rid of Suarez. They wanted to get rid of Suarez, though, right? I mean, basically, yeah, they, they were to put in their return with him. So I don't know how you make that comparison. No, but he's he's saying it's what they didn't get. If you had yeah. kept, if you had kept, if they had kept Suarez, Sterling would still be playing for Liverpool. You know. Sterling wants to win with championships, and I can't tell you how great it felt yesterday when when he walked off the field crying like a little baby because they can't they might Liverpool come in and kick their ass. You know, it it, right. it is it is you know, and that's where Liverpool has always been the the, the buyer, but in the last six or seven years they've been selling and. And that is probably because of, a, of an American owner. And, and, and that's where the necessary evil in American dollars comes in. Because you want to have the dollars backing you up so you can buy, but they're also in the business to make money. And they're not going to sit back and say, okay, we'll take a loss to win a couple of games there. Uh, you know? So, so uh, yep. you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, like I said, you know, I I want I want look at Chelsea, look at look at Manchester City, look what they did, look what Manchester City did before this season, you know, it's it, 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 they they went out and they uh, and they went out and they uh, they added Kevin De Bruyne, they added other guys that that uh, that would help them. They didn't sell all their other guys to 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 to, to get them. They got rid of a couple of guys that was in the low end of their roster to to clear up some space. But basically, that team is the same plus these other guys. <laughs> you know, that's how you win. Look what Barcelona did. They they went out. They had Neymar and Messi. You think that's that's great? Well, they went out and got the third best goal scorer in the world, got Suarez. You know, and and you know. And besides that, they also have, you know, they also have Iniesta and other guys that are great soccer players that they didn't get rid of because they wanted the other guys. They're willing to go out and say, okay, we'll pay what it takes, but we'll also win everything in front of us. And, and I think that's the difference. You know, that's the, that's the difference. Brian, we'll give out the phone number here, 888-728-9941. Again, that's 888-728-9941. Your number to call into Vuvuzela, the World Soccer Show. It's presented by the Iron Abbey. You can find us certainly on Twitter at Vuvuzela Blast. And now, thanks to our good friend Alex Krastowski, who's been helping us out 
Uh, more on the tech side, we are also on iTunes. So you can download hey. all of our podcasts as we put them up each week on iTunes. And uh, and also, we have on the phone Thorn Holder. Thorn, welcome. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. Bob the Weapon and Eric, how are you guys doing? We're doing, doing well. What happened? We got... You didn't run out of gas again, did you? <laughs> I actually ran out of um, power steering fluid this time. Okay. <laughs> I knew it was a fluid, man. I just, I just guessed the wrong one, man. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, you're um, okay, but you're okay, right? Yeah, I'm doing fantastic, man. I thought uh, it might have been one of those road closures from the Philadelphia Marathon. Was that down your way today? Yeah, they, they shut the, the parkway down. Um, it was a, a nightmare. Uh, however, I have something to report. I okay. had a game earlier with Bear Fight, the famous Bear Fight FC. Um, fantastic game. We drew 1-1. One, one. Um, great, great soccer all around, man. And the whole time I was thinking about, I say, Eric, Eric could play against these guys. When are you going to come out and play, Eric? I don't know. I, I, I'm, is that an official invite? But if anybody if anybody steps in a hole or needs a lawyer, I'm their I'm their man or slips on ice, I'm good at that. Well, the the, the referee we had today, we are going to take him to court. <laughs> After that performance that he showed, he he definitely is going to ruin a lot of kids' lives um, <laughs> with the way he go about things. But anyway, let's get to the soccer. Now, I saw a couple games yesterday. First of all, the classical is the classical, you know. <laughs> And yes, I it is. That, yeah, I thought that Bas, um, uh, Real Madrid phoned that one in. They phoned it in, you know. They phoned but, that game in, and it's something that you don't expect from a team so, like Real Madrid. Now, Thorne, I, I hear you. When you say phoned it in, though, I mean, that that could be taken a lot of ways. That They just didn't show up. They, they didn't want to show up. They did something. I mean, what exactly do you mean by, by phoned it in? Okay, there was a moment in the game, I think it was when Garrett Bale made a high press. All right, he blasted up because if you look at how Barca uh, defends, they don't give you a lot of time. When they lose possession, they swarm on you like bees. All right, now Real Madrid is a very prominent team with, with the best players in the world and also Spanish style, so they play very similar. What I did not see yesterday, and it was in that moment, that moment was very pivotal because it's where I felt like Real Madrid was deflated. Garrett Bale, he, he spread it out to put some pressure, and the way it works is the only way that would be effective is if the team moves with him and closes the space. Otherwise, what happens is there's a gap that Barca could exploit. Now, I saw him sprint out, and he looked, he looked for support. He was looking for um, he was looking for guys coming in, and nobody was sprinting back. Nobody was sprinting forward. Sorry to, to press with him, and I felt like that significantly changed the momentum of Real Madrid, and Barca was able to capitalize on that. Now, who was uh, who was your man of the match, Bob? <laughs> oh, in that match, gosh, I mean. The entire, certainly the entire Barcelona squad. I, first of all, for a long-term perspective, I know this isn't the question, but to see Leo Messi come in and give you 25 minutes just to see that, hey, he can do it, he, he's ready, he's fit. Now, whether that full fitness can get you to 90 minutes, I think remains to be seen, but the fact that they've gotten to this point without him for two months and he comes back and provides at least that ability to that, hey, I'm ready, I'm on the field, I, I think that's 
going to be in addition to how well the match went uh, the main takeaway for a lot of Barca fans yeah. is they take another run yeah. at three trophies this year. Oh my, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, before we move on to the next game... Wait, I got wait, 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 before you sorry, go off sorry. on a tangent, brother, I just want to ask you this one thing. Now, you said uh, that you made a statement that Real Madrid seemed to have mailed it in. Now, how do you mail in the biggest, you know, games of, of the soccer year, pretty much, anyway, with 80, 85,000 screaming fans in your own building to a team that you're starting to lose ground with against Barcelona. Can't we just say possibly that Barcelona is nope. just a better squad? They are. Yeah. Let's say they are. Okay. But uh, they're not four goals better. Not, and not the classical. No. Um, especially when you have, uh, let's say, your roster was pretty stacked. Messi didn't start, but number seven did. So they had their superstar. Now, superstars do more than just deliver. You know, I watch Ronaldo play. I watch him train. His attitude, his mentality is just significantly superior. So as uh, motivation and inspiration, they had their gun. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we look at the score, and we look at, let's say, opportunities on goal, and there was a point, let's say, I think it was goal number three, where they were completely not running back. Okay, there was a player, I think mm-hmm. it was Neymar, had it out left, and he whipped it in. And I saw the Real Madrid players just gave up. And there were two or three Barca fans just opening front of the net. I think it's disrespectful to the goalkeeper, to the coaches, and the fans. Now, as professionals, they always come with a certain level of professionalism. But professionalism is not enough at that level. Professionalism will get you into a college team and keep you going. When you're talking about the classical, La Liga, um, uh, you know, league or oh, and the very, the very best, 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 best leagues in the world. It's much more than professionalism. You have sure. to have a certain passion and excitement in every single moment of every game. And that moment when Bale didn't chase, uh, when the people didn't chase with uh, the rest of his teammate didn't chase, it, it, Barcelona took the momentum. Now, little things, little things could determine a big score. For example, if you have one youngster on the team that's a left back or midfield who keeps making this one mistake, what happens with a great team like Barca? They're going to capitalize and they're going to score every time, every time. And that's what happened. One little thing, which was they tune down their intensity just a little bit. With a team like Barca, you can't afford to lower your intensity. The one thing I I wanted to talk about as well, Thorne, is... There's a certain guy on the Barcelona team that, for whatever reason, he has as much clout as anybody that that's ever, you know, not maybe not ever put on a Spanish uniform, but he's right up there with all of them, and that's Iniesta. Andres Iniesta is a guy oh, that, I mean, over the years, certainly scoring the game-winning goal in the World Cup for Spain. And I yeah. think, for yeah. me at least, that was part of the reason you saw the applause as he came off the field in the second half of that match after scoring a brilliant goal himself and I believe assisting on at least one other. I mean, he, he had a fantastic game. And with some of the moves with the guys they've brought in in terms of Neymar, yeah. Suarez, continue to name them on, and, of course, Messi yeah. uh, being the face of that, uh, of that organization. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I think sometimes you see Iniesta fall back a little bit and, and play a bit of yeah. a role of... Uh, Certainly not a role player, but not the premier focus of either the fans or the opponent. And he showed that he yeah. still is world class. 
no doubt about it. Okay. Not, that, not that many yeah. were questioning yeah. that, but on the biggest stage, he showed it again. Let me pose one thing to you guys. Neutral field. Yes. Bayern Munchen, as Thorne likes to call them, Bayern Munchen, <laughs> and Barcelona. Who wins one game for it all? Sorry, was that a question, Eric? Sorry. It is. Yeah, yeah. Bayern Munchen or Munich and Barcelona. One game, say Champions League or just a neutral field on Mars, okay? Who do you like in that uh-huh. game? Well, on Mars, I think I like Bayern. But <laughs> on Earth, on Earth, I think I'm going to take... Uh, I think I'm going to take Barcelona. I just saw my best work when my brain's on Mars, okay? Oh, I'm going to take Barca as well. Let me tell you something. There is a, there's what we call pedigree. So uh, let's say there are physical things that you could do on a team, like bring new players, buy expensive players, hire a great coach, institute some new scientific program. But the heritage of that team, the history of the team, they're a winning team. You know, so if I were to place money on any team at any point in time, it will always be Barca, you know, Barca over, over the Munchen guys. You know, you're have, talking have, about a team have, in Munchen. Yeah. You're talking about a team that's a plus 35 um, a goal differential a third of the way into the season. And, oh, by the way, I mean, they just, wow. especially in the last couple of years, I would say they just have, have just as much, if not more, Champions League pedigree than, than that same Barca team. And a championship about. against their rival now, German team as well now, last in, week, in, the, in the Champions last League. Week, um, last week, I think it was Bob or... Uh, our Matthias Smith, our correspondent from uh, Munchen, he mentioned, I think Eric brought the point up, that the teams that 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 uh, Barca faces in La Liga, uh, let's say, let's just use a random number, let's say 20 teams. In La Liga, those 20 teams, you're going to get 18 excellent matchups. You know, whereas when you look at um, the Bundesliga, um Bayern Munchen does not have that that type of competition week in week out. Well, I think and my Bayern my I, my my opinion to that is I think that we have it a little confused. Or I think that the okay. Premier League in England has that uh-huh. more of the better mar, the better matchups. I think if you look at Spain and Germany, uh-huh. I, I mean this is just me, Thorne. I mean, I'm I'm just the way yeah. I see it, those two are uh-huh. fairly similar. I would say quality wise. I mean you got you got yeah. Bayern and you've got you know you got Byron and and maybe you've got a couple other teams and you got a couple obviously two or three teams in Spain and the rest of them are like uh, are just there, you know for the most part. Yeah. yeah. That's maybe that's being yeah, a little yeah. too you know picky about it, but I think in reality that I don't know why I, this year I don't know how you can uh-huh. say Byron is not at least on the same in the same discussion. As no, Barcelona. I, I didn't say all of yeah, that, Eric. Right. I, think I know, I'm just trying to pick Bob your brain. <laughs> the question Bob posted was, a matchup between Barca and um, and Munchen, I would pick Barca. Yes, just that. Remember, it's a game, uh, as Al Pacino said, it's a game of inches. Just, little, just a little thing. So let's say the competition that um, that Barca faces day in, day out, and the type, the style of football, it's high pace, high intensity, ball movement. When I look at the Spanish league, I see a lot more offense than defense. I mean, look at Germany. Germany is more German. They have the great cars and great technology <laughs> and a very structured order. Yeah, too bad they can't bring their cars on the field and ride around. Then they really, <laughs> then they really, then they really do some serious uh, distance during the match if they put that little machine so, on them, right? Yeah, just, before we jump on, because we have a very special guest coming on for the, um, the, the, the segment, um, 
there's a, a, a great matchup right after the Classico, and that was like an Italian Classico between Juventus and AC Milan. Now, did you guys grab a hold of that game? You know what? I caught about 10 minutes of it. The, once okay. again, you know how, you know, yeah, I, I wish I could have, but I think I had like family duties. And Bob was probably out yeah. covering six different events in four different yeah. locations. Yeah, so. Two yesterday, yes. We, could, yes, we could definitely accuse, we could definitely excuse him for that, for sure, <laughs> man. Of course. But anyway, what'd you, what'd you say, man? Tell me what you think, because Juventus is another team that was a world power and a runner up in the Champions League last year. And AC Milan has uh, seen better days, so let me know what you saw, what you thought about the, uh, Classic, right now, the Il Classico, or whatever they call it. It's got a name similar to El Classico. Okay. So one, the Spaghetti um, Classico. The Spaghetti Spaghettio. Okay, um, <laughs> the Spaghettios. Okay, <laughs> very good. So, Juventus. Now, who is the who's the captain of the Ju- Juventus team? Mr. Gianluigi Buffon. Now, Gianluigi, uh, Gianluigi Buffon made his debut at Parma at the age of 17. All right, and he has held pretty much uh, the, the Italian number one spot for over a decade. All right, now we look at on the on the other end. I don't know the youngster's name, but we have a 16-year-old goalkeeper in goal for AC Milan. Sixteen. So as a goalkeeper, huh. uh, sorry, what is that? Six. I said sixteen. I was amazed to hear that. It's incredible. No, and right. he's excellent as well. So going into that game, that was that was those were the two main. Players, we have Gianluigi, who basically opened the door for this youngster, being a youngster um, himself when he started at a very high level. So the goalkeepers were to watch. And if you looked at the game, it was a 1-0 victory, which means the goalkeepers did a great, great, great job. Who now, had the, who had the victory? Uh, for, oh. Thorne, be careful. Tuck in your shirt. Your goalkeeper's showing again, okay? But uh, seriously, no, the thing is, wouldn't it be funny if uh, if uh, the other keeper for Milan was Buffon's son? Now, that would be a story, man. Oh, my. <laughs> That'd be That's something, wouldn't it? Because you see that nowadays with like Casper Schmeichel and stuff. Like it's interesting. Yeah. So what do you? So anyway, who won the game? Who who won the game? I'm sorry. So, to, yeah. Juve won, and it was a beautiful finish. It was a volley, um, first post, and it was a rocket. I think it was an absolutely fantastic finish. It was a great game to watch as well. Um, this young goalkeeper, let's say that would be some someone to watch. You know, someone to watch for AC Milan um, going forward. You so know, this is their so, keeper that the, so Thorne, let me get to say this is their keeper that plays he's their number one keeper the sixteen year old he recently became the number one okay. he was basically like a fan favorite he came in he made a couple great saves and had some great showing and he basically won the starting spot because basically as a sixteen year old you're a rookie you got to carry the ball take up water clean the boots for the older guys so to to get selected over. Um, some senior season players, you have to be doing a great job. And also to have the fans on your side, oh, I, it was a great thing. What was also beautiful to see at the end of the game was Buffon and him exchanging T-shirts and Buffon, you know, giving him a hug and a kiss on the head, saying, youngster, keep it going. Um, and it, it, it was a real, let's say, you remember when we interviewed Shaka, you know, and... Um, you know, I mentioned my history with Shaka as a 15-year-old, getting gloves from him and his dad coming to my games or whatever. Like, it's that that moment for that young goalkeeper, I could tell you, even though he had access to Buffon before, that it was such a great game. And to have Buffon embrace him like a young son, like you say, 
I think it's real awesome for for players to 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 let's say to show that respect for the youngsters and invest time in making sure um, that their confidence continues to grow. So great weekend of soccer. What do we have next? Well, I'll tell you what is great. It's a great. Uh, it's a great story, and it's the kind of stories that that I love. You know, because there's a lot of love and respect in this in this game throughout the world. You see it every day. Unfortunately, yeah. sometimes it gets overshadowed by the, the the miserable nonsense every once in a while, the bad yeah. apple in the in the in the yeah. barrel, so to speak. What were you saying, Bob? Well, first, what I'd like to do. Thorne and Eric is to give the phone number to our listeners here, 888-728-9941. I know we teased at the beginning of this hour that we might have Raphael Gellar of BBC. Uh, Apparently he uh, has been unable to call. I understand he's on the other side of the pond, I believe. So uh, These are a couple ponds away, I think. Many, many ponds. <laughs> so um, certainly there are there are, you know hiccups at times, and we understand that. And thank Raphael for being a yeah. good friend of the show and coming on from time yeah. to time. So we'll try to catch up with him next week or if he happens to call in in the very, very near future. But we have about a half hour left, so the number to call in is 888-728-9941. Again, 888-728-9941. And you're listening to Vuvuzela, the World Soccer Show, presented by the Iron Abbey. Now, Thorne and Eric, I say we take a break right now. But on the other side, Thorne, I want to get your thoughts about USA versus Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah, really, you oh, weren't my. talking. You weren't talking nearly enough smack to me yes, about that for, for, for the point that was that was earned. From <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me. I mean, I, I got a lot of questions about that. Let's take the break, and then we'll talk. Hang in there, Thorne. We'll get we'll get through it, buddy. Okay. All righty. All right. Robner, Allen, Robner, Zimmerman, and Nash is a law firm specializing in workers' compensation, personal injury, domestic relations, and any other legal matter affecting individuals' rights and freedoms. Eric Nash, host of Vuvuzela, the World Soccer Show, is a named partner and has been helping injured individuals for nearly 22 years. Call 215-953-2720 for a free consultation. Most legal matters are handled on a percentage basis. Call 215-953-2720. That's 215-953-2720. The law firm of Rovner, Allen, Rovner, Zimmerman, and Nash. They get results. Are you a soccer fan wondering where you can catch the soccer match with a great pub atmosphere? The Iron Abbey in Horsham is the place featuring EPL, La Liga, and Champions League. Also a proud pub partner with the Philadelphia Union with early openings Saturday and Sunday for the games with a great breakfast menu and food menu to complement the atmosphere. The Iron Abbey voted Best Bar of the Year 2015 offers 40 beers on draft and over 800 bottles to choose from. Visit their award-winning bottle shop, The Loft, for great takeout and mix-and-match six-packs to go. If you're a soccer fan, you have to check out Iron Abbey, the official soccer pub in the Burbs. Go to ironabbey.com for schedules and like them on Facebook to stay up to date. Please check out the Iron Abbey presents Vuvuzela World Soccer Show every Sunday from 3 to 5 on 610 Sports. Roughneck Scarfs is proud to be an official sponsor of the Vuvuzela Show. Roughneck specializes in custom scarves for schools, clubs, supporters, and corporate promotions. They're also the official scarf supplier to U.S. Soccer, MLS, USL, and NCAA. Visit roughneckscarves.com and use promo code VUVU for an exclusive discount on your next scarf order. 
Roughneck Scarves. Better service, better designs, better scarves. If you suffer from pain or tension, Dr. Frank McCaffrey of Academy Injury and Health Center can help. Academy Injury can help you get out of pain just like they've helped many patients in WTEL's listening audience. In fact, mention the word soccer and receive an incredible first visit special offer. Call Academy Injury and Health Center at 215-637-1212. That's 215-637-1212. Academy Injury and Health Center can get you out of pain and enhance your performance. Okay, we are back. Bob, the Thorn Man, are you there, Thorn? I am still here, Eric. Okay, my friend, so we first of all, did you ever have the chance to play in the stadium there in Trinidad and Tobago that, that they play their national games yeah. in? I have played in the national stadium, and I also have played against the United States of America. And what was that um, experience like? So it was. Um, and for I those, I'll, I'll interrupt you just quickly because for those of you that don't know, and this is the same Thorn Holder that usually joins us in studio every week. He is a Trinidad and Tobago national team player, and he has played for that uh, that great nation. And so, as a former keeper, he has a lot of experience to bring to the table. Just to set the table for you, there. And more Thorne. importantly, he's a blood relative of Jeffrey Holder, but. That's neither here nor there. So, so Thor, tell, so tell us. So you I played care. in that stadium, man. So, what was it like? What what would you play? What what uh, um, division were you what in when you played the U.S.? Yeah, what competition? Okay, so this was uh, World Cup qualification U twenty. Okay? Under twenty. So we had we went to Cuba first, and we beat Cuba in Cuba, and then we came home and we drew with Cuba at home. So the next leg was. Uh, the U.S. in the U.S., all right? Now, the stadium that you're looking at uh, is the Hazley Crawford Stadium. What's funny about that, my first name is Hazley. Now, that's a secret that I usually keep close to my chest, but I'm going to let that one out today. <laughs> yeah, well, you only Hazley. told like 18 million people over the air, don't we only wish? 18, don't we wish? Our, our Maybe 18 people, but still, ago. you put it out there. Okay, Hazley. <laughs> Can I call you Hazley from that one? <laughs> Well, Hazley Holder. That's great. Hazley Holder. Go ahead. So anyway, this game was fantastic. It was played at the Home um, Home Depot Stadium in LA, um, in Carson City. Um and guess guess who guess who was guess who was on that team? Mr. Freddie Adu. Now yes. our folks in, in, in Philadelphia may have mixed feelings about Freddie, but I'm a bit biased because I played we played against each other when we were younger. So when we met at the union, we basically kicked it off and we hung out, we partied. No, but that game we lost 6-0 to the USA, okay? So as a player, you always want to beat the U.S., you know, because in CONCACAF, the U.S. is number one, Mexico is number two, and then you have Jamaica, Panama, Honduras, and Trinidad, kind of, you know, jostling for the rest. Um, that game, let's, first of all, I played with a number of these players. Michael Orozco from the United States. Wow. Um, he was at the Union when I was there. He was one of the first persons to kind of introduce me to the, the major league world. He's like, Thorne, if you want to survive in the MLS, you need to know how to drink. Now, that's what <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, breakfast of that champions, man. The, that was before the season started. Um, we were, you know, right in preseason, and we were just about to go to Greece. So that's Michael Orozco. Now, number six for Trinidad and Tobago, he's actually my brother. 
you know, at the age of 15, his family kind of adopted me. So, and we went to the same high school. So let's say I had a lot of personal investment in this game. The goalkeeper for Trinidad and Tobago came up with some brilliant, brilliant saves, you know. Um, and I think that really was, uh, was what, 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 did it, what kept Trinidad in this game. Now, sometimes it could go both ways, where the U.S. crush us, 4-0, 5-0, 4-1. But this, this was a great matchup. Now, what do you guys think? What do you guys think of this game? What I mean, I, I mean personally, I mean, my thought was that, first of all, I, I know that it's a very tough place to play historically for the yeah. U.S. and in Conca. Con- would you agree, Bob? It's not, that's never been easy pickings there. So I, I'm assuming there's there, a, a big... Honduras, yes. I think they both fall into that camp. What is the, uh, uh, Thorne, what is the massive, and I may not be using the right word, home What's pitch the advantage? No, that you have there. What is oh. the what is the reason behind that? If there, if you can tell us, Lord. So the National Stadium, the Hazley Crawford Stadium. Let me tell you a quick story about Hazley. Hazley Crawford was Trinidad and Tobago's first and probably our only gold medal winner. Okay, so that stadium is where all our major events are. He's a runner. He was a runner. I'm sorry. I mean, I just remembered yeah, that. I know the name. Sprinter. Yeah, okay. Sprinter. Yeah. Okay. Right. I'm sorry, but yeah. So the, uh, the last time we, uh, we played the U.S. Uh, here for a World Cup qualifier was in 1989. And our goalkeeper led up, a, let's call it a sun goal. Let's say somebody cross a ball, a chip a ball high, and... The goalkeeper claims he couldn't see it because of the sun. Well, we lost that game, and the U.S. went to the World Cup. And that basically kind of took Trinidad soccer down a trench for a little while. But the National Stadium, that's, we beat Bahrain in 2006 in the National Stadium to go to the World Cup. Okay? So that is a place where, one, where our runners, when we have uh, national competitions or international competitions hosted, like we hosted the U-17 World Cup in 2001, um, that's a stadium where everything happens there. We have concerts there. We have track meets there. We have rugby there. Um, there is women's soccer going on there. It's the center of the capital. It's the center of where people go watch movies. So it's a place where Trinidad comes together to do everything. There's a lot of history, there's a lot of passion, there's a lot of energy, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of beer. <laughs> Let me ask you, uh, yeah. with that stadium, oh. uh, with, the, with the big, the, their big stadium there, um, with what has been going on in the world and obviously in the last week or so, do you see, um, do you see uh, heightened security there, or is there? Do you know about that? So, one, uh, Trinidad is the last island in the Caribbean. Okay, so we are very far removed from certain Western problems. We're not immune, but terrorism is not something that, um, let's say, strategically, when we look at what happened in France, um, what I believe is there's a lot more going on than ISIS um, attacking, because there's no force that can come up against the U.S. Army and win. So if the U.S. goes into Iraq and they're there for 10 years, and Al-Qaeda is, was able to grow into a massive killing machine, then I have to ask a bit more questions. So in Trinidad, to answer your question directly, because we don't want to get into that Pandora's box, um, Trinidad and Tobago is, does not, um, let's say, like how the TSA was implemented, that happened everywhere in the world where all airports had to accept certain policies. 
But as far as this event in France, um, refugees are not going to, to the Caribbean. It's too far. You know, they're not going to sail there. Um, so this kind of only affects our minds. We are not going to see extra securities at games because we've never had a terrorist attack, you know. So to answer your question, no, I'm not there. But based on the history, um, we, 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 we're, not in, we're not in that game. I think with the, the, uh, this is not going to have any strategic, um, you know, any strategic um, uh, influence. By, I, uh, I, I thought, I guess what I and would I say is the one thing we learn, my friend, is that we don't know when it comes to these type of things. I mean, they, uh, you know, the thing with France and apparently, uh-huh. I don't know if you guys read, but apparently there was a bomb or something similar to a bomb, some kind of explosive device found in a suitcase at the German football stadium I want to say it was in Hoffenheim, maybe wrong. I want to say Hoffenheim, you know, for the second uh, international game. The, the, game, the game that got canceled, the Germany, I believe it was, yep. Germany and England yeah, game, yeah. was canceled. Now, let, me, let me ask you guys this question real uh, quick. Now, with NSA, we had Edward Snowden coming out a couple of years ago talking about how the U.S. is spying, and the British government got pissed off because they found out that they were being spied upon as well. We have satellites. We have cell phones in every pocket. We have closed-circuit camera everywhere. Um, ISIS is an organization that is built by people that are, let's say, this is what they're saying in the news. People are pissed off and they're joining ISIS. You know, people from England, Canada, America joining ISIS. Mm. So if I am a strategic leader of the FBI or CIA or the Kremlin or MI6, I feel like in the last six months, realistically, you have a force as powerful as the U.S. Uh, the US Army, Navy, Coast Guard. I think, and, and CIA and FBI, I think they could, uh, they could infiltrate ISIS pretty easy because ISIS basically opened their arms to anybody who, let's put it in quotes here, who hates America. Right. If they hate the U.S. and they want to be a part of this caliphate, come join ISIS. If I'm the head of the FBI and if I get a group of 16 to 20 people together, profiles for them, and send them into ISIS to infiltrate, but that's not happening. They're making ISIS seem like they actually can defeat the U.S. Army. No way, man. I don't buy it. Right. Especially All right. <laughs> so Trinidad, so Trinidad, so. USA soccer, right? Um. Yeah, a little, little off the beaten path, my friend, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I still am more confused than ever, but I think I think you make some salient points. I really do. Now let's... So. Let's let's uh-huh. think though. I mean, this this match, right? It's nil nil. The United States gets a point. My biggest takeaway from that match, uh-huh. because I think you watch it and you think it was not a good first half. It was a much better second half. You'll take the point because there should be no problem from this point forward. That's your toughest sort of group match at this point, and you should be able to qualify uh, for the hex, and you should be able to move forward yeah. to that. So all in all, yeah. you'll take it. But on social media, and I find this to be yeah. a, a, a social observation, a social experiment, in these big events, and I say it all the time, the overreaction mm-hmm. by fans is uh, is vomit-inducing to me. I mean, and yeah. I mean that as disgusting agree, as that Bob. sounds. It is ridiculous yeah. how many fans were on there saying, this is it, Klinsman needs to go, period, the end of story. I mean, they are just looking for... Extra sticks to throw into the in, into the campfire to further extend and emblazon. It, it's it's unbelievable to me. You can say yeah. anything you want about him, but listen, one one bad half here, and you can say it wasn't just one bad half. But if you want him gone, then 
fire him now, but let's not do it on a minute by minute basis. If you're going to give no, him, if, but Bob, who's Bob? Who's but who's doing it? We're talking about the fans. social media, but they have no control over I'm anything. I'm not saying they do. Oh, they do. They don't have control over the, what happens in U.S. soccer, nor do they have control over their emotions, apparently, because what's going on from one half to another in terms of the reaction I'm seeing is absolutely ridiculous. Manuel Pellegrini, Manuel Pellegrini after the big loss to Liverpool, the 4-1 loss this past weekend, you know, all over, if you, if you look at the right uh, sites on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot, they all want his head. Really? Yeah. The team's got the team as far as I know, the team is probably still right up within a point or two of the top of the table. I mean, you know what? Mourinho, I mean fire the coach. That's the mantra that we always hear. It's ridiculous. But it's true, Bob. We have this discussion all the time. In Philadelphia all the time, now they want Brett Brown fired. He's a bad coach. So he has no he has no I, players, a Sixers coach. How can you tell he's a good coach or not? He doesn't have any players to put on a real M- NBA squad. You know? Gotcha. So right. what what we've been seeing, and this is the media is creates a lot of trends, and the media creates a lot of hype and sensationalize, sensationalize a lot of things. And what we see happening is that sells. With with the advent of social media now, where let's say Fox or ESPN could look at their Twitter and look at let's say what the fans have been saying, um, I think it's too it's too uh, it's too impersonal. You know, I think that it's just like American Idol. People are watching games, and instead of caring about the human beings and looking at it as an art form and as, like, life's work, and things are complicated. We look at Chelsea, for example, great team, great pedigree, one of the best coaches in the world, but they're struggling, which means there's a lot more than just the coach to blame. And I think we are developing this, this habit of we're not solving problems, we just... People. You know what, right. Thornton? Right. Well, you can't. You know, it's the old adage: you can't fire the whole team, but you can fire the coach, and that's yeah. what it comes down yeah. to. Look, we got a caller. You were so provocative today, my friend. <laughs> They're lining up to talk to you right now. We, Fantastic! Fantastic! Thorne, right now we have Kevin out of uh, out of the West Coast. He's the host of Football Matters, and he's a good friend of our show here. Kevin, how are you? Football does matter, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Doing well, boys. How are you today? How you doing, Kevin? Doing great. great. How are you doing? All right, all right. Uh, first of all, uh, Coach, congratulations. That was a uh, a well-to-do uh, 4-1 comprehensive victory over the uh, quote-unquote citizens uh, yesterday. So it was uh, very impressive. For uh, yeah, he's actually not, not on the air. I think he, he oh. formed a parade downtown the city where he lives outside of Philadelphia. <laughs> I, saw, I think I saw a picture on Twitter of him with a baton. I don't know what that was about. But anyway, what's up, man? Hey, uh, yeah, I'll just ring in real fast on, on the Klinsman in the World Cup uh, qualifier. I mean, you, you have to remember that this is a, a qualifying phase to get into the hex. So, of course, you know, there's going to be still a little bit of experimentation. And I think after the Guatemala match, uh, which I think I don't believe we, we play until March, correct? So mm-hmm. I think it during the sorry for the plane by the way, uh, but uh, I, I think that by that time he should have a better idea. Uh, our, our players will, will have the winter break, or most of them will have the winter break. Some of them will be coming from Europe, but I think that uh, Klinsman will have obviously a better idea. He'll have more of a, a, a central core of players that he will be dealing with. He won't be bringing in uh, these players in and out of of these other teams. I think. And the team that he'll go forward, I think, can finish the, the qualifying phase with it will be fairly a, a stronger group of more experienced players. 
but I think if U.S. soccer was going to come out and make a statement, they would have done it after the Trinidad game, which not to say that uh, won't, won't happen yet, but I, I don't see it. I don't see them making a change. If he doesn't get out of the qualifying, I think there's, there's call for a, a change, not only with, with Klinsman, but maybe Galati as well. Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And, and as you look forward here, so you mentioned the experimentation. There's no doubt about that. I mean, we've talked about this on the show, and I think you've been privy to these discussions as well. Is this something where all the fervor we're seeing on Twitter, I mean, does that manifest itself, or does he get the entire qualification no matter what? I think he gets the entire qualification. Um, and then, obviously, if he makes a statement, he say we – play that home and home and we win by aggregate of like, I don't know, 6-1 or something like that and, and really make a statement of against the Guatemala squad that will sure. most likely be the, the toughest opponent in this qualifying phase. Right. Um, so, and they're looking at what USA and, and uh, uh, Guatemala to obviously advance the hex. What I, maybe, is it time for maybe Klinsman to, uh, you know, he's done well with the technical director as well as being the coach, but Perhaps maybe is this something that U.S. Soccer maybe talks about? Klinsman is saying, "Hey, you know what? Maybe after the World Cup, if we keep you on as technical director and in charge of, maybe he becomes Galati's number two, and maybe USA looks to somebody like the likes of a Caleb Porter, maybe who's who's been a player with the U.S. team, who's done fairly well in the MLS, uh, even the likes of Jason Christ." Right. Now, is that a position? Let's let's start first, because I want to get back to the Porter comment as well. But let's first say that, indeed, it is offered to Klinsman that we will keep you on as a technical director, and yet we're going another way with the manager position. What would compel him to accept that versus seeking another head coaching position or managing position elsewhere? Well, there, there's a lot of discussion in the back rooms, obviously, where you know the, some of the the, the FIFA runoff is going to hit U.S. soccer at some point, and U.S. soccer shouldn't be, I mean, should be worried that the, the bigger ups at U.S. soccer. So, you know, maybe it comes down to a point where perhaps Klinsman has offered this with the notion that he will uh, be recommended to lead U.S. soccer in the future as being their their president in the Galati role kind of. Um, you know, I, I see maybe in, in two or three years where uh, – you know, some of the, a lot of the speculation of the wrongdoings in FIFA are going to hit uh, Galati and U.S. Soccer. So, I mean, I think maybe even Sunil might be privy to go a different direction as well with his own, you know, career. Yeah, it's it's certainly it's certainly interesting thoughts, and uh, we'll get your any other um, thing that you had on your mind soccer wise this week before we we let you go as we come up toward the top of the hour. No, it was a it was a good week of you know the internet. I mean, the international schedule was over, and a lot of teams uh, had reports of uh, uh, you know had players report back with a lot of injuries. I know Manchester United was pretty well decimated over the weekend, but still found a way to get a, a quote unquote steal a result at at uh, Watford yesterday. Uh, and then it was just it, it's going to be a lining up to be a great afternoon of uh, football here with the MLS playoffs. So certainly, no doubt about it. And Kevin, give us a, a plug for your show before we let you go. Football Matters, uh, Monday nights, 9 to 11 p.m. Pacific, so midnight uh, to 2 a.m. your time, uh, on chaoticradio.com. We also have an app out there in the Apple or Google Play Store, uh, Android as well, for Chaotic Radio. It's K-A-O-T-I-C radio.com. Thank you very much, guys. You Thanks got for it. jumping on, Kev. Thank that was you, good Kev. stuff. Right. There you go, Kevin. Ole, 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 ole. <laughs> hey, who is Evan oh, Torlantes? I love it. <laughs> 
Do you know M. Torlenti's thorn? We we have a <laughs> we have someone on the air. We believe this might be Raphael Gellar. Let's bring him on here. Is this Raphael? No, it's Eric Callis, the PH. Eric. <laughs> Very good. Uh, now, uh, uh, this is a third production. I can tell this already. Now right? I'll, I'll lay the ground rules. Yeah. We have we have four <laughs> we have four minutes here, guys. That's it. So um, take it so, away, Thorne. It's gonna be it's gonna be the best four minutes uh, ever. First of all, this segment is brought to you by Road to Spain, a reality show that's gonna tear the airways apart. And secondly, get the funk off which is a athletic wipe that is athletes uh, use uh, just to get a little bit clean before they get home and shower. So this segment <laughs> is brought to you by Road to Spain. Uh-huh. Eric is from is the general or the producer, the man in charge at Road to Spain. And Get the Funk Off is one of the sponsors for this segment. All right. So Eric, um, you have uh, do you have John with you from Europa, Europa Point FC? Yes, I do. John, go ahead. That's right. Yes, I'm here. I'm How here and listening sir? to you. All the way so from have, Spain and Gibraltar. Hans, we have two and a half minutes. Tell us about <laughs> Europa Point FC, sir. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you. Europa Point uh, is a club really based on giving second chances uh, to young players, young talented players who have been released from, from clubs uh, anywhere, anywhere around the world. Uh, obviously, yes. we're an amateur club, so, so, so we can only take players who pay their own housing. Um, and we get lots of players from from England. We have we currently have uh, six players from England and one from uh, from the United States, sent over by by Eric himself, called uh, Marek Marek Albert. Yes, yes. Now, what is the let's say what is the main focus? Is it are you guys trying to let's say make a profit off of reselling these players off of their value, or are you building a team to move up in in the leagues in Spain? It's a very unusual situation. We want to do both. We want to go up, okay. but at the same time, we want to we want our players to progress. Fantastic. Now, as far as Road to Spain, how is Europa Point FC a part of Road to Spain? How are you going to help us, John? Well, as I said, we're giving second chances because we think loads of players who are really good have not had chances, and so enough chances. And, and we daringly give them a chance to play for, for Europa Point. We did exceptionally well last season, uh, winning the League Cup in our first season. Uh, we are currently second in the league, unbeaten in six games. Uh, oh, wow. And we, we, have, we have already had in this very season two players who left our club to get semi-pro deals in, uh, in England. Wow, that's amazing. Now, I'm very proud um, at Google Soccer to, to, let's say, spread our, our web all the way to Spain. So, John and Eric, I really do appreciate what you guys are doing with the show. I'm really excited about Road to Spain. It's good to have a new team because I like to give young players opportunities. Right? I like to be that guy to be able to help players. And awesome. Yourself and Eric. Yeah, there are loads, there are loads of people in the, in, in the world of football who love that passion, and Eric is one yeah. of them. Absolutely. Eric uh, Kalis is, is, is one who really loves that as well. Yes. And we, our youth is in, 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 in good hands. But anyway, gentlemen, 
We really do appreciate you guys coming on. Sorry that it's a bit late and we didn't have the half an hour. But let's pick this up next week. We'll get into a lot more details about Europa Point and Real Valladolid. It's a lot of exciting stuff going on in soccer. And we are at the point of the arrow at Google Soccer. Yeah, we'll definitely have you guys on for for an extended time next week, okay? I'm sorry about the uh, confusion. Well, Bob. But it was a great okay, four minutes. Good. It was a good four minutes, third. You. you delivered. That was a great four minutes. Uh, All right. Thank you, guys. Talk to you so, next week. Any. Yeah, yeah, we got we got to send the we got to send the station out to where we sent them. And hold on now, Thorne. Uh, one just about uh, thirty seconds for you. Last last comment. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, we're doing a shout out. So Eric and John, is there any team or anybody that you want to shout out? They they are off, unfortunately. They're already off. Well, I want to shout some people out. One, I want to big up. Eric Nash, the founder of Boo Soccer, Bob the Weapon Long, the general, Brian, Brian Camus God, Stan, Amy Man, um, and uh, let's say the whole of Philadelphia and all the soccer fans of the world, we love you at Boo Soccer, and it's always a pleasure to be with you. Beautiful. Thank you, Thorne, and we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks, Thorne. All righty. Okay, care, so that was interesting stuff. We'll have to pick that up next week. Anyway, uh, Bob, gr- great show. Lots, a lot of stuff happening. Grant to hear from Crack, Crack Hour again. Coach K back from Denmark. Thorne bringing it in. These fellows from Spain. We really were that getting very, great. we're getting very international. And by the way, I was approached by um, Cameroon, by a radio station in Cameroon, to be, like, associated with them, the soccer broadcast. Very good. So that might be interesting. They keep talking about my press card. I don't really know what that is. So, Bob, Bob, (laughs) maybe you or these fine gentlemen here at the station can explain to me what the heck that is. But anyway. We can certainly work on that. And this is Vuvuzela, the World (laughs) Soccer Show. We're presented by the Iron Abbey. We're here every week, normally 3 to 5 p.m., Today we were on 2 to 4 p.m. because we need to send it off to the pavilion right down the street. And uh, where Ryan Fannin, Whitey Rigsby, and the guys will take us up to tip-off, which is 4.30 p.m. against the Akron Zips.